The men who followed the Apostolic Fathers in the 2nd, 3rd and early 4th centuries fought many important battles for Orthodox Christianity as passed to them from Jesus Christ through the Apostles and the Apostolic Fathers. The writings of these brave men are important for modern Christian apologists to read because the battles they fought are similar to what we fight today. Plus, we can learn from the deep devotion they presented in both their lives and ministries. In our last study we began looking at the apologetic ministry of Irenaeus of Lyons and one of his writings, Demonstration of the Apostolic Preaching. In this new study we will look at what Irenaeus is known best for, his multi-book series, Against Heresies. Irenaeus was one of the best theologians of the 2nd century AD and also one of the most skilled of Christian apologists of his time. He and other Christian leaders addressed a wide range of heresies, including Dash. Docetism. Gnosticism. Martianism. Montanism. Valentinianism. Ebionitism. Nicolaitanism. Paganism. Against Heresies is the combination of five books. Books 1-2 address various Gnostic systems, while books 3-5 refute the systems from the teachings of Christ and His Apostles. I will highlight some of the writings from each of the books to give you a flavor of Irenaeus' approach to apologetics. As you read how the 2nd century apologist addressed the heresies of his day, consider how you might use similar techniques in addressing heresies of our day. Please click on the link below to read the full text. Against Heresies, Book I. Greater than inasmuch as certain men have set the truth aside, and bring in lying words and vain genealogies, which, as the Apostle says, minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, and by means of their craftily constructed plausibilities draw away the minds of the inexperienced and take them captive, I have felt constrained, my dear friend, to compose the following treatise in order to expose and counteract their machinations, these men falsify the oracles of God, and prove themselves evil interpreters of the good word of revelation. They also overthrow the faith of many, by drawing them away, under a pretense of, superior, knowledge, from him who rounded and adorned the universe, as if, forsooth, they had something more excellent and sublime to reveal, than that God who created the heaven and the earth, and all things that are therein. By means of specious and plausible words, they cunningly allure the simple-minded to inquire into their system, but they nevertheless clumsily destroy them, while they initiate them into their blasphemous and impious opinions respecting the demiurge, and these simple ones are unable, even in such a matter, to distinguish falsehood from truth. Preface, Part 1. Greater than. Greater than I have deemed it my duty, after reading some of the commentaries, as they call them, of the disciples of Valentinus, and after making myself acquainted with their tenets through personal intercourse with some of them, to unfold to thee, my friend, these portentous and profound mysteries, which do not fall within the range of every intellect, because all have not sufficiently purged their brains. I do this, in order that thou, obtaining an acquaintance with these things, mayest in turn explain them to all those with whom thou art connected, and exhort them to avoid such an abyss of madness and of blasphemy against Christ. I intend, then, to the best of my ability, with brevity and clearness to set forth the opinions of those who are now promulgating heresy. I refer especially to the disciples of Ptolemaeus, whose school may be described as a bud from that of Valentinus. I shall also endeavor, according to my moderate ability, to furnish the means of overthrowing them, by showing how absurd and inconsistent with the truth are their statements. Not that I am practiced either in composition or eloquence, but my feeling of affection prompts me to make known to thee and all thy companions those doctrines which have been kept in concealment until now, but which are at last, through the goodness of God, brought to light. For there is nothing hidden which shall not be revealed, nor secret that shall not be made known. Preface, Part 2. One of the first things that becomes obvious in Against Heresies is the depth of his understanding of the foundation and purpose of each heresy dash. 
greater than such are the thirty eons in the erroneous system of these men, and they are described as being wrapped up, so to speak, in silence, and known to none, except these professing teachers. Moreover, they declare that this invisible and spiritual pleroma of theirs is tripartite, being divided into an ogdode, a decad, and a duodecad. And for this reason they affirm it was that the Saviour for they do not please to call Him Lord did no work in public during the space of thirty years, thus setting forth the mystery of these eons. They maintain also, that these thirty eons are most plainly indicated in the parable of the labourer sent into the vineyard. For some are sent about the first hour, others about the third hour, others about the sixth hour, others about the ninth hour, and others about the eleventh hour. Now, if we add up the numbers of the hours here mentioned, the sum total will be thirty, for one, three, six, nine, and eleven, when added together, form thirty. And by the hours, they hold that the eons were pointed out, while they maintain that these are great, and wonderful, and hitherto unspeakable mysteries which it is their special function to develop, and so they proceed when they find anything in the multitude of things contained in the scriptures which they can adopt and accommodate to their baseless speculations. Chapter 1, Part 3. Irenaeus continued to explain the intricacies of the Gnostic heresy by looking at how the heretics explained the origin of Christ and the Holy Spirit- greater than after this substance had been placed outside of the pleroma of the eons, and its mother restored to her proper conjunction, they tell us that Monogenes, acting in accordance with the prudent forethought of the Father, gave origin to another conjugal pair, namely Christ and the Holy Spirit, lest any of the eons should fall into a calamity similar to that of Sophia, for the purpose of fortifying and strengthening the pleroma, and who at the same time completed the number of the eons. Christ then instructed them as to the nature of their conjunction, and taught them that those who possessed a comprehension of the unbegotten were sufficient for themselves. He also announced among them what related to the knowledge of the Father, namely, that He cannot be understood or comprehended, nor so much as seen or heard, except in so far as He is known by monogenes only. And the reason why the rest of the eons possess perpetual existence is found in that part of the Father's nature which is incomprehensible but the reason of their origin and formation was situated in that which may be comprehended regarding Him, that is, and the Son. Christ, then, who had just been produced, affected these things among them. Chapter 2, Part 5 The Gnostics tried to use Scripture to support their heresies- dash. Greater than they moreover affirm that the Saviour is shown to be derived from all the eons, and to be in Himself everything by the following passage, every male that openeth the womb. For He, being everything, opened the womb of the enthymesis of the suffering Eon, when it had been expelled from the Pleroma. This they also style the second Ogdode, of which we shall speak presently. And they state that it was clearly on this account that Paul said, And he himself is all things, and again, all things are to him, and of him are all things, and further, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, and yet again, all things are gathered together by God in Christ. Thus do they interpret these and any like passages to be found in Scripture. Chapter 3, Part 4 Irenaeus called the heretics on their misuse and abuse of Scripture- Greater than such, then, is the account which they all give of their pleroma, and of the formation of the universe, striving, as they do, to adapt the good words of revelation to their own wicked inventions. And it is not only from the writings of the evangelists and the apostles that they endeavor to derive proofs for their opinions by means of perverse interpretations and deceitful expositions, they deal in the same way with the Law and the Prophets, which contain many parables and allegories that can frequently be drawn into various senses, according to the kind of exegesis to which they are subjected. And others of them, with great craftiness, adapted such parts of Scripture to their own figments, lead away captive from the truth those who do not retain a steadfast faith in one God, the Father Almighty, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Chapter 3, Part 6 
Greater than. Greater than such, then, is their system, which neither the prophets announced, nor the Lord taught, nor the apostles delivered, but of which they boast that beyond all others they have a perfect knowledge. They gather their views from other sources than the Scriptures, and, they use a common proverb, they strive to weave ropes of sand, while they endeavor to adapt with an air of probability to their own peculiar assertions the parables of the Lord, the sayings of the prophets, and the words of the apostles, in order that their scheme may not seem altogether without support. In doing so, however, they disregard the order and the connection of the Scriptures, and so far as in them lies, dismember and destroy the truth. Chapter 8, Part 1. Greater than. Greater than you see, my friend, the method which these men employ to deceive themselves, while they abuse the Scriptures by endeavouring to support their own system out of them. For this reason, I have brought forward their modes of expressing themselves, that thus thou mightest understand the deceitfulness of their procedure, and the wickedness of their error. Chapter 9, Part 1. Irenaeus then moved in to attack the falsity of their hypothesis- Greater than learn then, ye foolish men, that Jesus who suffered for us, and who dwelt among us, is himself the Word of God. For if any other of the eons had become flesh for our salvation, it would have been probable that the Apostle spoke of another. But if the Word of the Father who descended is the same also that ascended, He, namely, the only begotten Son of the only God, who, according to the good pleasure of the Father, became flesh for the sake of men, the Apostle certainly does not speak regarding any other, or concerning any Ogdote, but respecting our Lord Jesus Christ. For, according to them, the Word did not originally become flesh. For they maintain that the Saviour assumed an animal body, formed in accordance with a special dispensation by an unspeakable providence, so as to become visible and palpable. But flesh is that which was of old formed for Adam by God out of the dust, and it is this that John has declared the Word of God became. Thus is their primary and first begotten Ogdode brought to naught. For, since Logos, and Monogenes, and Zoe, and Phomues, and Soror, and Christus, and the Son of God, and He who became incarnate for us, have been proved to be one and the same, the Ogdode which they have built up at once falls to pieces. And when this is destroyed, their whole system sinks into ruin, a system which they falsely dream into existence, and thus inflict injury on the Scriptures, while they build up their own hypothesis. Chapter 9, Part 3. Greater than. Greater than but since what may prove a finishing stroke to this exhibition is wanting, so that any one, on following out their farce to the end, may then at once append an argument which shall overthrow it, we have judged it well to point out, first of all, in what respects the very fathers of this fable differ among themselves, as if they were inspired by different spirits of error. For this very fact forms an a priori proof that the truth proclaimed by the Church is immovable, and that the theories of these men are but a tissue of falsehoods. Chapter 9, Part 5. Irenaeus believed that one of the primary attacks of Valentinianism was on the unity of the Church and he addressed the importance of that unity in his first book- Greater than as I have already observed, the Church, having received this preaching and this faith, although scattered throughout the whole world, yet, as if occupying but one house, carefully preserves it. She also believes these points, of doctrine, just as if she had but one soul, and one in the same heart, and she proclaims them, and teaches them, and hands them down, with perfect harmony, as if she possessed only one mouth. For, although the languages of the world are dissimilar, yet the import of the tradition is one and the same. For the churches which have been planted in Germany do not believe or hand down anything different, nor do those in Spain, nor those in Gaul, nor those in the East, nor those in Egypt, nor those in Libya, nor those which have been established in the central regions of the world. But as the Son, that creature of God, is one and the same throughout the whole world, so also the preaching of the truth shineth everywhere, and enlightens all men that are willing to come to a knowledge of the truth. 
nor will any one of the rulers in the churches, however highly gifted he may be in point of eloquence, teach doctrines different from these, for no one is greater than the Master, nor, on the other hand, will he who is deficient in power of expression inflict injury on the tradition. For the faith being ever one and the same, neither does one who is able at great length to discourse regarding it, make any addition to it, nor does one, who can say but little diminish it. Chapter 10, Part 2. Irenaeus exposed the inconsistency of Gnostic heretics- dash. Greater than let us now look at the inconsistent opinions of those heretics, for there are some two or three of them, how they do not agree in treating the same points, but alike, in things and names, set forth opinions mutually discordant. The first of them, Valentinus, who adapted the principles of the heresy called Gnostic to the peculiar character of his own school, taught as follows, he maintained that there is a certain dyad, twofold being, who is inexpressible by any name, of whom one part should be called Aretas, unspeakable, and the other Sige, silence. But of this dyad a second was produced, one part of whom he names Pater, and the other Aletheia. From this tetrad, again, arose Logos and Zoe, Anthropos and Ecclesia. These constitute the primary Ogdote. He next states that from Logos and Zoe ten powers were produced, as we have before mentioned. But from Anthropos and Ecclesia proceeded twelve, one of which separating from the rest, and falling from its original condition, produced the rest of the universe. He also supposed two beings of the name of Horos, the one of whom has his place between Bis and the rest of the Pleroma, and divides the created eons from the uncreated Father, while the other separates their mother from the Pleroma. Christ also was not produced from the eons within the Pleroma, but was brought forth by the mother who had been excluded from it, in virtue of her remembrance of better things, but not without a kind of shadow. He, indeed, as being masculine, having severed the shadow from himself, returned to the Pleroma, but his mother being left with the shadow, and deprived of her spiritual substance, brought forth another son, namely, the Demiurge, whom he also styles the supreme ruler of all those things which are subject to him. He also asserts that, along with the Demiurge, there was produced a left-hand power, in which particular he agrees with those falsely called Gnostics, of whom we have yet to speak. Sometimes, again, he maintains that Jesus was produced from him who was separated from their mother, and united to the rest, that is, from the lettuce, sometimes as springing from him who returned into the Pleroma, that is, from Christ, and at other times still as derived from Anthropos and Ecclesia. And he declares that the Holy Spirit was produced by Aletheia for the inspection and fructification of the eons, by entering invisibly into them, and that, in this way, the eons brought forth the plants of truth. Chapter 11, Part 1 In addition to Valentinus, Irenaeus exposed the teachings of other Gnostic heretics in his first book including Secundus, Ptolemy, Colorbusus, Marcus, Simon Magus, Menander, Saturninus, Vasilides, Carpocrates, Serinthus, the Ebionites, Cerdo, Martian, the Incratites, the Nicolaitanes, and Barbaliotes. In the next part of our study about a reading plan for Christian apologists we will look at Book 2 of Against Heresies.